Well, I hope I don't need to bottle water, but I might. It's the pollen is um, starting to be a factor for me. If you would turn to Matthew chapter number 18, we're going to look at uh, familiar, I think it's a familiar passage, and I want to talk to you this morning about some surprising truths about forgiveness, surprising truths that we'll find in Scripture about forgiveness. In Matthew chapter 18 and verse 21 is where we'll begin once you find your place. Matthew chapter 18, beginning with verse number 21. And here the scripture says, Then Peter approached him and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? As many as seven times? I tell you, not as many as seven, Jesus replied, but seventy times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle accounts, one who owed 10,000 talents, was brought before him. And I'll stop and give just a little uh, commentary here. The gentleman who's been called into account here, they, uh, one commentary says these are tax farmers. That's their job. They go out there. Sometimes they're called satraps in the old ancient uh, economy, but their responsibility was to go out and collect taxes on behalf of the kingdom. And so it's why he was able conceivably to get into the situation that he's in in the story. And so it says he, uh, the amount that he owed, 10,000 talents, one person said was 60 million days wages. So you're never going to be able to repay 60 million days wages because you won't live long enough. And it's an inconceivable debt that he's accrued and that he owes in this story. One uh, writer says that the amount of money that he owed was more than was in circulation in all of Egypt in that day. So Jesus purposely uses exaggeration to help us think about this issue and principle of forgiveness. Then the scripture says that this, the servant, well, since he did not have the money to pay it back, I'm sorry, verse number 25, his master commanded that he, his wife, his children, and everything he had be sold to pay the debt. At this the servant fell face down before him and said, Be patient with me, and I will pay you everything. Then the master of that servant had compassion, released him, and forgave the long. That servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him, started choking him, and said, Pay what you owe. So by comparison, this was about half a year's wages. It was uh, something that could be repaid, but what we see in this person's behavior is that he does not internalize the principle of grace. He's been shown incredible forgiveness for a debt he could never repay, but he in turn goes out and finds someone else who owes him comparably far, far less, but he doesn't imitate what's been demonstrated for him. The mercy that he received, he doesn't return in a situation where he very well might have. And then the scripture says, that servant, uh, at this his fellow servant fell down and began begging him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. He says exactly the same thing that has been said already to him, but he wasn't willing. Instead, he went and threw him into prison until he could pay what was owed. When the other servants saw what had taken place, they were deeply distressed and went and reported to their master 
everything that had happened. Then after he had summoned him, his master said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And because he was angry, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that was owed. So also, this is Jesus giving application. So also, my Father will do to you unless every one of you forgives his brother or sister from your heart. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we're grateful to you for your word that it's living and powerful and it's eternal, eternally relevant. And so please speak to us from it today. Forgive us in the ways that we fail. God, clear up the, uh, the confusion in our minds that sometimes creeps in when we try to listen and help us to receive the things that you would say to us from your word this morning. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. So this is a, a fascinating story that uh, Jesus told in response to a question that Peter asked. Really, all of Matthew 18 is about the priority that God puts on reconciliation. And in fact, in one place, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 19, that God was in Christ reconciling uh, us to, to him, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. God was in Christ. This to me is the gospel in a nutshell. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins against them. In other words, because Jesus died in our place, he takes our sin debt upon himself, and, and we're able to be brought back into relationship with God. And then the Bible says he's committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. In that passage, it goes on and says, as though God were appealing, appealing through us, be reconciled to God. So our life as followers of Jesus is involved in this attitude that we're supposed to be building bridges with the gospel, that the gospel informs our relationships and helps us to uh, relate to people in the same way that God's related to us by extending mercy to us. And so when we think about uh, the power of forgiveness and the surprising realities and truths that we'll learn about it when we look at this uh, passage, we see that forgiveness is a critical part of what it means to be a disciple and a follower of Christ. You know, sometimes when we uh, think about things, we're like Peter. Peter was like, he thought that he was being generous by saying, okay, after seven times, I get to write this person off. If they offend me seven times and ask forgiveness on the eighth time, according to their culture and according to the, uh, theology that he had learned, on the eighth time, I get to walk away. And I'm no longer responsible for uh, offering forgiveness in a situation where offense has occurred and yet uh, Jesus says, no, I tell you 70 times 7. So now 490 is the number he's working with, right? But literally, what Jesus is saying figuratively to him is innumerable times. And one uh, person, Craig Keener, says that what Jesus was really saying is never hold grudges. That's what he's trying to communicate. Don't ever hold grudges. 
So like Peter, we want an easy button to push, don't we? We like we want uh, this thing to be simpler than it is, but the truth is discipleship is never going to put us on the easy path. It's always going to put us in situations where we bear a responsibility to be ethically different than the rest of the world, to behave in a way that's a credit to God so that he's glorified through our life and our behavior. So Peter, in this story, asked a question that's important to help us think through some principles about forgiveness. And that's what I want to do with this message today, is to cause us to understand more clearly what the Bible means when it talks about forgiving others, and to help us maybe to uh, engage in forgiveness in our own life in a way that you may need to, to help us to act out our discipleship in our relationships. So let's think about what this passage and really other places in Scripture uh, teach us about forgiveness. The first idea or truth I want us to think about together is some considerations regarding the practice of forgiveness. In the Bible, when we think about forgiving others, one of the important questions for us to, to reflect on is what is the value or worth of another person? Because when we refuse to forgive others, like Peter is suggesting that maybe he can get to a place out here somewhere that he doesn't have to forgive anymore, it's almost as if we were saying about that person, I wish you didn't exist. I wish I didn't have to have any interaction with you ever again. And our heart can calcify and become hard and indifferent. And it's one of the reasons that forgiveness is such an important behavior for those of us who follow Jesus because there's a damning element to the idea that I don't have to forgive. There's something about what it says of our perception of the value of another human being that we don't want to let our hearts go to that place. So the, these considerations about forgiveness are important. When we refuse to forgive others, what we have really done is put ourselves in the place of God. Because in our mind, you know how we have scripts that we play on the inside, our inner voice is talking to us, and what we're really saying in our, in our heart is, God, if you only knew you know, all the details here, if you only had all the insight, about this situation that I have, maybe you'd see this differently. But when we look at that, that's really a ridiculous thing for anyone to say, isn't it? Because I mean, one of the fundamental truths we believe about God is that God is omniscient, all-knowing. So God already knows. The, he knows the worst things. He knows even worse things than we know. And yet, He encourages us as disciples and followers of Christ to practice forgiveness and we also forget a very serious element. That is how much we've been forgiven. When we don't practice forgive, forgiveness, we forget that we ourselves have been forgiven much. You remember the story in the Bible where Jesus is uh, invited to a, a meal at the home of a man named Simon the Pharisee. And the Bible says that Simon doesn't greet him with a kiss, which is customary. He doesn't anoint his head with oil. He doesn't wash his feet. And yet a woman comes in who's a notorious sinner, is the way that the Bible puts it, and she begins to wipe, wash his feet with her, uh, with her tears and to wipe his feet with her hair. And he anoints, she anoints Jesus' feet with a costly perfume. 
And Jesus, the Simon, the host says, well, this man must not be a prophet or he would know what kind of woman this is, that she's a notorious sinner. And Jesus says to Simon, Simon, I want to say something to you. And he says, say it, teacher. And he, he said, told them what had just happened. He told them a story about two people also that had incurred a debt, which is similar to this one. One owes 50 denarii, another owes 100 denarii. They're both forgiven their debt by their creditor. And he says, Who, which one of these do you think will love their master more? And Simon, it seems like in the passage, begrudgingly says, well, I suppose the one who's forgiven the most. And Jesus tells him that he's right. He says, whoever's forgiven much loves much. But the point of what's happened in that scenario is that Simon really doesn't appreciate the fact that he's a notorious sinner too. That he also has been forgiven much. But the, when we for, uh, refuse to forgive, we have forgotten about what's happened to us through Calvary through Jesus' blood shed for us. Most importantly, when we're reading this passage, what we, when we think about forgiveness, I think over and over we see through Jesus that he's saying it, the practice of forgiving others in the life of a disciple of his is so fundamentally important that it's a characteristic uh, that we measure the, whether our faith is authentic or not against. In other words, a person who is an authentic follower of Christ will develop the mature capacity to forgive other people. Or whether we're really followers of Jesus is in question or not. And that, that I think we can prove fairly easily from the Bible because think about, for example, the Lord's Prayer. You remember that Jesus concludes the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6 by saying, Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And then he says, if you don't forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. I don't think that's saying that there's some formula to being saved that includes, it's just saying a saved person, a person who the gospel has really connected and made an impact in their life is a person that realizes that they have to practice forgiveness as a matter of course because they're a different person. Your identity is now different than it used to be. But also, uh, so there, these are some considerations about the practice of forgiveness, but think about the costliness of forgiveness also. The Bible says that it costs God to forgive us. Uh, Romans chapter 8 verse 32 says, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how shall not he not also through him freely give us all things? But the part of that that stands out to me in relation to this is that it says, He who did not spare his own son. That's the cost of your forgiveness. It's the cost of my forgiveness is that God gave his son that he allowed him, I've been reading through Matthew really slowly uh, for a long time, and now I'm at the place where he's handed over to be crucified. And I've read through the part where he goes to the garden and 
He prays, and the Bible says great uh, drops of sweat as blood poured from his forehead as he pours out his heart to God and says, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But if not, your will be done. And Jesus allowed himself to, to die a horrible death. The only innocent person, the only innocent human that ever lived in the history of our world or ever will live allowed himself to die in the place of all of the wretches, all of the broken and messed up people. He took our sin on himself so we could be forgiven. So we think about the cost to, to God himself, the sacrifice he, what he made, as we think about withholding forgiveness or uh, reaching the seventh time and saying that eight times I can't forgive anymore. And then consider the cost to your own self. The Bible says that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. What it costs us to forgive often is the, that attitude of humility. You know, being willing to, uh, to put ourselves in a situation that we really don't want to. I don't want to forgive this person. I don't want to let you off the hook. I want to hold this over your head. It hurt me. You know, it uh, devastated me maybe. I mean, probably everybody in this room has had some personal offense that was devastating at some point in your life. And it's hard to humble ourselves. And yet, again, it, it's not the easy path we're on. It's the difficult path. It's the one that's different. That when people see the example of our life, they're able to go, God must be real. Look at how this person is able to deal with personal offense and relationship. So there is a cost to ourselves, But consider the cost if you don't forgive. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter uh, 12, verse 15, be careful that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. And really what that passage is saying is bitterness, when it when our heart does grow hard and we don't practice forgiveness and we do become bitter, it's not something you can keep to yourself. Bitterness always has a sort of contaminating effect on the people around us. And so that's why the Bible encourages uh, forgiveness too because it's so detrimental to community and family and all of our relationships when we can't practice forgiveness. So this is hard so far, I think. It's hard for us to think about the practice of this. But let's clear up some things, some confusion about the practice of forgiveness. To begin with, forgiveness is not necessarily the same thing as trust. I think this helps people sometimes. Forgiveness is not necessarily the same thing as trust. You can choose to forgive someone even if they never rebuild trust with you. In fact, I think that's what the, you know, we're encouraged to do. That. And, and I thought about this. Who can't rebuild trust? Well, you know, one person who can't rebuild trust is a dead person. And sometimes the people that we need to forgive are already deceased. They, it has nothing to do with rebuilding trust. It has something to do with being free. It has something to do with being able to go, that hurt that was inflicted on me, I'm letting go. And if you could work it out with that person, it'd be great, but chances are you can't. Not only deceased people, but people who are unavailable. You know, there may be someone in your life that there's an offense that you need to forgive, but you just can't easily 
track that person down or cross their path anymore. Well, it doesn't let us off the hook. We still have to forgive them because forgiveness comes from us. If we can, as, if we can rebuild a relationship or we can you know, talk to that person in person, great, but often that's really not possible. It's also not possible if we're dealing with another human being whose life is out of alignment with God. They don't care about forgiveness or the practice of forgiveness. It's not a priority to them. But for us, it's a priority. And so whether they are willing to work through things or not, I can still forgive that person. I mean, I've had situations like this in my own life where the person was unwilling. They still live. I could have interaction with them, but there's a core of dishonesty in you know, the situation that's in my mind that the person is never going to, or, or at least it would take a miracle and an act of God in their heart for them to get to the place of really owning what they did. Does it let me off the hook? No, I still have to release them and forgive them. That's what this looks like. So forgiveness is uh, something that doesn't, it's not dependent on rebuilding trust. If we can, great, but we can still forgive even if we can't rebuild trust. Forgiveness is not just a feeling. You know, sometimes we think that, that we can't be ruled by our feelings. What rules our life is Christ as Lord, right? That's what we say as followers of Jesus is that the confession uh, that rules our life is Jesus as Lord. So my feelings don't dictate to me whether I forgive or not. The command of Christ dictates that. So it's not, my former pastor used to say, if you picture your life in faith as a train, it's the uh, facts and faith and then your feelings. Your feelings are the caboose. You know? If your feelings start running your life, you're going to do a bad job at discipleship. It's the commands of Christ. Forgiveness doesn't always require confrontation. And uh, offenses happen that we can let go. Proverbs 19.11 says, uh, Good sense makes a person slow to anger, and it is, it is his glory to overlook an offense. Think about that, what that says. A lot of times things happen that there, there are sort of um, priorities of offenses. And sometimes there are little offenses. I'll, I'll just confess I'm an irritable person, especially early in the morning. Doesn't have to be early in the morning, but sometimes early in the morning. But there are little offenses that really we can just let go. It's not a big deal. The world's not going to crash down if I forget about this kind of offense. And the proverb says that. It's, a, it's to a person's glory to overlook an offense when it can be overlooked. You know, the Bible gives instruction about what to do if we're in a situation where confrontation is essential. I can't overlook it. I've got to, you know, be involved in this relationship to fix things and make things right. But some things aren't that way. And the Bible says maturity for us looks like being able to let that go. Then lastly in this message, some components of the practice of forgiveness. What does it look like specifically? Well, forgiveness, the word means to release it's really like, you know how in this story the guy is locked up, the Bible says that the master at first is going to sell him, his wife, and his children. And even doing that, based on uh, their culture, 
there, there was no way that it, they could have repaid the debt. It wouldn't have come close to repaying the debt, but he's locked up. And mercy lets him out of the prison, right? The appeal that he makes is, please forgive me and I'll repay everything. There's no way he could repay everything, but mercy is the element in the story that's so important. And God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. On the sneezing. But mercy is the part of that story that matters so much, is that this guy who's in prison is let out of prison. And then the second part of the story that we see is that he has a, a subordinate, it appears, who owes him money, and he, is, he doesn't learn the lesson about mercy. But, but forgiveness is releasing people. It's letting them out of our little personal jail. It's letting them go free and letting God deal with them. Especially when they're, you know, the possibility of reconciliation isn't uh, isn't there. I enjoy a writer named Anne Lamott. She's so funny and a, a gifted writer. I don't agree with her in every point, but I really enjoy uh, reading her books. And she says, "Earth is forgiveness school." She says, "We need the miracle of grace, like spiritual WD forty, to get to the very stuck, grinding places inside of us." You know how WD forty works, right? Uh, something's oxidized and you can't get it to move at all and you spray that WD-40 and all of a sudden things start to get loose and movable and she says that's what grace is like in the life of a follower of Christ. It frees us up. It makes all those grindy places come loose. So we need to learn to let people out of jail in our life, to release them and trust God. Forgiveness is based on a right understanding of ourselves. In other words, when I think about myself, I know way worse things about me than anybody else on earth because I know my whole life and history. And I forgive my own messes and offenses all the time. And God forgives me. So I forgive myself. I, to live with myself, I have to forgive myself. And that's important too, you know, to learn to forgive ourselves. It's not the, you know, the center point of this message, but it is important to learn to forgive yourself. But the other thing is, if I can uh, forgive myself in my messes, then how could God uh, not forgive others of their messes? God forgives them too. And, and so Forgiveness is based on a right understanding of ourselves. If we know that, we're also broken people and that we're a mess and that we often disappoint ourselves, then why would I hold a different standard about other people? They're also just like me, struggling with the same things I'm struggling with. And so forgiveness is based on understanding ourselves. And prayer doesn't hurt either, right? <laughs> prayer doesn't hurt a thing just to cry out to God and say hey help me please I'm not doing a very good job at this it's something I know you want me to do but I'm struggling here and, and God uh, that's a, help is a prayer God answers all the time by the way so just crying out to God and asking him to help us not only is it important to consider this, uh, the power of forgiveness but when we look at forgiveness there's some prizing elements to it Peter wanted an easy way out, but Jesus says, really, there's no easy way out here. The path of discipleship is always going to put you on a difficult road at times. And so when we're willing to commit to the difficult work of practicing uh, forgiveness, 
there are some behaviors that we're going to have to engage in. Jesus speaks about this. When you read the Gospels over and over and over again, it's made clear to us that this is an indispensable behavior if our faith is authentic. If it's real, we're going to have to struggle with this and practice it in a way that uh, glorifies the Lord. So let's personalize this. Is there someone you feel justified in not forgiving? When you think about your own discipleship, maybe understanding what forgiveness really looks like will empower you to obey the Lord. Because this is a critical issue of obedience, and you've seen that. Well, it doesn't necessarily mean that trust is regained. But to let your heart have the freedom that God uh, would like for each of us to experience. We've got to open up the prison door and say, you're free. You can go out. I'm not going to hold you here any longer. And then see what happens to your own spirit and your own heart. People talk about uh, all kinds of things these days as gospel issues. They say, this is a gospel issue. Well, this is a gospel issue. This is uh, talking about how what God has done for you impacts your life in a very measurable and practical way. And so that's important to think about in this message as well today. Have you experienced that kind of release from God? Do you know that He loved you so much that He paid an incredible price for your forgiveness? And have you accepted, received that forgiveness by trusting Christ. It's, a, it's the same kind of prayer. You know, we reach a point in our life where the crisis of our sin and our brokenness causes us to cry out and just ask for help. And the Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be rescued, will be helped, pulled out of their mess, given a new foundation and a new way to experience this, this life that we, we know. So I want to pray for us. Are you guys having a public invitation right now? Okay. Then we'll receive an invitation. I'll stand out uh, up front. If I can help you with a commitment that you want to make today based on what you've heard, then I would be happy to pray with you. Or maybe you want to come and pray at the altar where you are. But, but again, often these are decisions that we carry with us out the doors and we take care of when we get back in, in, uh, in the world. Let me pray for us. Father, I'm grateful today for the truth that uh, you love us and your love is so profound and, and you've shown it so clearly. I pray that you'll speak to us by uh, your spirit during these moments and not only now, but God, as we go, that we'll realize it may be there's something caught up in our heart that needs to be dislodged and there's someone we just need to set free and not because we think they're kind or good or that we think that they've done the right things but because we want to be obedient to you we want to be free so i pray god that you'll give us great grace and help as we try to listen and obey your word and we pray it in christ's name amen